title of my message today is, Do You Know What the Lord Has for You? I just want to continue on that theme that Jesus has broken into history and currently we're alive in this generation and God wants to reveal himself to us. And uh, <laughs> Bruce, there's another card this week. We didn't talk about this. You have your card, but something else. If in your bulletin and uh, ushers, you can pass a few more out if people want them. Uh, it's, do you know the area God is asking you to press into? Do you know what your inheritance is? Hopefully you can put a date on this. And I really believe each one of us, there is something God wants to do. You, you heard people talk today, Bonnie, it's like popcorn. Things are already being uh, brought up in people's hearts that something God wants to do. There's giants all of us are facing, and God wants to start dispossessing these places the giants have held in our life. God's allowed them to be there, and they'll only be there until you are ready to step into what God has for you. And again, that's that theme of pressing into our inheritance. You know, we've been talking about Joshua taking that next generation into the promised land. And each one of us need to know where we're at with our relationship with God and our walk with Jesus, what he wants to do in our life. He wants us to face the challenges and the things that seem bigger than us because it has to be bigger than us for us to let go and trust God and then experience the change and the transformation and another testimony that you can give. Another reason why you are deciding to take up your cross and follow Jesus. An another reason why you're, you're acting like a crazy Christian and doing things that would not seem logical. But because we serve a God who is bigger than our five senses and he's greater than our logic. But he loves us with such a love that's so hard to figure out. And he wants to fill the deepest places in our, in our soul. You know, I've been talking a little bit about the promised land. And for us, I think especially in America, it's our will, it's our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, our five senses, the places that we're taken advantage of by circumstances, by distractions, by other opportunities that are not spiritual, that try to keep us from really hearing God and really having that fulfillment. I feel like even as Christians, we are supposed to be able to be so free in our soul. And I think that, that's the difference between the apostles, that they could be persecuted and go through the, what they went through and to continually go through it. But there was such a joy that had risen up from their spirit and had infected their soul that even under the worst conditions, that joy could not be quenched. Their soul and, and the excitement of God and their ability to press in and worship God in the midst of pain and suffering that was beyond any kind of uh, thing that we could know. In our society, uh, we go to things that satisfy our soul. We try to go to movies that uh, uplift our soul and encourage us. We try to do fun things. We try to go on vacations. You know, we try to buy things. We try to watch things. We're always trying to do something to lift our soul. But I tell you, Jesus is what your soul's looking for. Right. Jesus wants to satisfy your soul. He wants to quench that longing and that thirst. This verse we've been using, it's again um, Isaiah 61, the fulfillment, Luke 4.18. I'll read it out of the Amplified. 
When the time of this prophecy in, in Isaiah 61 was fulfilled, it was because Jesus was coming to set people free. Jesus declared, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he an has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. And if uh, any of those descriptions in Luke 4.18 uh, register in your own soul, register in your own mind, are touching your heart, then I want to tell you today that Jesus wants to bring more freedom to you. That Jesus wants to love you more than anyone who has ever loved you. And if you have had relationships that you were not loved, if you've had parents that were not able to love you in the right way, get ready. Because God's going to change your experience. And you are going to be loved to that place where you're going to have to keep Kleenex with you for a while. Because God's going to heal your emotions. He's going to heal your brokenness. He's going to heal every place you've been victimized and hurt and wounded and rejected. Every place the enemy's trying to tell you, you're no good, you're not worth it. Every place, like Savannah said, where we try to work to be good enough or work to try to cover up the places w that we don't feel good, the places and things that have happened to us that mark us and mar us and keep us from walking in the freedom that is ours today in this moment through Jesus Christ. Our key verse today is 2 Corinthians 3.17. Again, I'm on the Amplified Bible kick. Now the Lord, who is our Father, is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation, freedom from bondage, freedom, freedom to move into our inheritance, freedom to possess what God has desired for us to possess from the very moment it was in His design to create us. And in our mother's womb, when God put the Spirit, which is our life and who we are, into that body, that destiny began to be lived out and began to bring brought into a fruitfulness where we were then born. But we are designed by God to live a life totally different than we can on our own without Him. Again, freedom is whatever it is that's keeping you from what God has spoken into your life. Freedom from the plan B's. Freedom from even the mistakes you've made, like um, the Ishmael's. You know, Abraham had a promise that he was going to have a son, but him and Sarah were barren, and so he had a plan B that caused a lot of problems. God has a plan for you, even though you've messed it up. Even though you've taken control of your own life and you've done it your way, and now you're maybe living with negative consequences. Maybe you're living with Ishmael's in your life. God says, I don't care. I don't care about your Ishmael's. I care about you, and I have a destiny for you, and you've got to fulfill it. Amen. Those of you who have kids, young adult, maybe uh, children that are out there, you know the ache in your heart, and you know you would do anything you could to move them forward, to bless and prosper them. 
Well, our God is a whole lot more loving and caring than we could be as natural parents. And I tell you, no matter how discouraged you are, no matter how far up you are in age, I tell you, God is going to bring that plan to pass in your life. You've been hearing this the last four or five weeks talking about how we've been talking about Israel came to that place after the 40 years and that first generation that were supposed to inherit their land and because they were fearful it didn't, that God said enough after 40 years and he was declaring and determining, I don't care where you're at anymore. You and this generation, you are going to go ahead. You are going to fulfill my design and desire for you. You are going to live differently. He dealt with their sin. He dealt with their parents' sins and the generational things that were on them. And when they were circumcised in the flesh, it was like a change in their heart. And I believe one of the transformations that happened for that generation that went in and began to possess the land, began to face their giants, was something happened in their soul. We kept reading that scripture in Joshua 5 where it says, God rolled off the reproach of Egypt. God rolled off all the generational stuff. And for us in this natural world and our understanding spiritual, there's a spiritual world out there. And it's the same spiritual world that's been in operation since Satan fell in his rebellion from the earth. And I tell you, God in our generation, in our time, wants us to understand that those uh, powers of the world that keep us from having our inheritance god wants to destroy in our life and just like he said to that joshua generation he said to us and he says to us today enough i am going to move you forward i'm going to move you into that promised land i'm going to break any addictions you might have off any compulsions any places of shame any barriers to your past i'm going to do it why because he loves us so much and he knows the enemy how he's been ripping us off and he says enough and god's going to supernaturally move you from where you've been into a place where he wants you to go and you're going to have the eyes of your understanding open like never before you're going to know who you are you're going to do things that you never dreamed you could do because the Holy Spirit's going to release gifts and abilities and, and strengths in you that you never had. You're going to love people you hated. You're going to be restored in relationship that you never thought you were going to have. Your marriage and the places where you are with your, with your spouse, God's going to heal. And places where you've been rejected or hurt and maybe you've been divorced, God's going to heal. God's going to enable you to forgive people you never thought you could forgive because it's not your ability, but it's by the power and grace of God that flows into your spirit and flows out of your soul and mind and emotions and brings healing to you and healing to, to other people. Since man's separation from God by sin that happened in the garden when Adam and Eve got duped by the enemy, all the world went into sin and brought, broke in fellowship with God. It was there where the mind, will, and emotions, where the soul began to d- descend and plummet into discouragement and, and a place of being shut down. I don't know how you are, but I, I, let me see your hand if you know what it is to be shut down, disconnected. Where sometimes situations do it, but sometimes you do it. Because you, you're in situations and in your relationships and you're facing problems, you have no ability to change. And so that's as w- this is what happened. And all the world has experienced what it means to be shut down. What it means to be put in places where you have no control. Even in relationships and families, sometimes we work to try to have relationships, but there's a person in our life or a person in our family that will not cooperate. And so because we're powerless, we shut down. But I tell you, God does not made a people to be shut down. 
Jesus Christ did not come into our life and cause us to be born again to shut down. But we are to begin to be proactive. And when, when our, our places of relationship are shut down or where things begin to happen, we're not supposed to stay there. We're not supposed to settle back. But we need to immediately begin to go into prayer and say, God, I am powerless here, but I cannot shut down like, I've used, like I used to do. I cannot go into a place of passivity, thank you, complacency, because in that place, my soul and my will become disconnected and I get discouraged and I look at God like he's the bad guy. Satan is the bad guy. Satan still is the bad guy. He was the original bad guy and he will be the bad guy because that's all he is. But he seems to twist our hope and as believers, we are the only one that has eternal hope and we have a resident power of the Holy Spirit to change our circumstances and situation. But when we shut down, we stop the activity of the Holy Spirit from flowing through our spirit. So face whatever it is, grumble a little bit with God, complain, I don't like this, complain about the powerlessness you have, but surrender it to God and begin to be proactive because God wants your will to be excited. He wants your joy to remain in your life and He wants you to have an expectation and a hope beyond what seems to be limiting you and what you know God has for you. Those are the giants. Those are the giants. Fear, intimidation, opposition, uh, uh, just... Uh, anxiety, worry, discouragement, negative news. They're all the enemies that stand in your land, but God wants you to go in and possess what is yours. Psalms 42.5. It's interesting. These were the sons of Korah. And in that Korah rebellion back in the Old Testament, God had put the presence of God on Dathan, Korah, all these other 70 elders because Moses could not do it alone. But when they got this uh, spirit on them, they saw all Moses' weaknesses. They saw that they were in the wilderness. And so they thought this now this new connection they had with God because of the spirit being on them, that they could cause this rebellion. Well, God said, uh-uh. You're supposed to help Moses, but if you don't want to help Moses, then I'm going to deal with you right now. And he had them divide the lines. And those who were on God's side, those who were going, willing to follow Moses, fine. And the other ones who didn't, it says the earth opened up and all those who were in rebellion went alive into hell. So here we are, have Korah's sons. They are part of the temple worship team and musicians. And they know what it is. They lost their father, but they have a deep dedication for the house of God and for the worship of God and for following God. So let's read that. It's Psalms 42.5. Oh, my inner self, oh, my soul, why should you moan? over me and be disquieted that means be full of anxiety worry be lacking the peace of god why are you disquieted within me hope in god wait expectantly for him for i shall yet praise him for my help and my god again what are you facing what's that giant look like i tell you there's a hope even as you face that giant there's a reason for you to believe that you are going to overcome that and you're going to rest and live in that place that that giant has standing in right now. And you need to rise up in your faith in God. You need to rise up in your confidence in God. Or like Savannah said, come into that place of resting and receiving. That it's in believing in Jesus and believing in the Holy Spirit that's with you is where you're going to rise up and go into a new place. You're going to have a new time of victory, a new time of overcoming, a new place of growth. 
that's beyond what your ability is to think or make something happen. Some of you are very creative, very brilliant in your mind. Some of you are dyslexic like me. Some of you are very powerless. And you're going to see also that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take you to places you couldn't get there on your own intellect. You couldn't get there because you can't find enough creativity to scrape together to do anything. But because of your weakness, because of God's love for you, and He designed to let the glory of God come through your life, He's going to do it through you. And you're going to sit back like a king and a queen and experience the joy that God has for you in living the life and the call that He's called you to live. Psalms 42, 2 and 3. My inner self, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come to behold the face of God? Again, that's that place where we're supposed to be. Our soul is supposed to be free. So if you do nothing today but begin to address and see those things where your soul is downcast, where your soul is not enjoying life, begin to present that to God. Because the first thing God's doing in in releasing the captive, He's got to release your will. He's got to release your mind, will, and emotions. He He has to release your perspective about life and your confidence that who is with you. Again, you may have feelings, you may not have feelings. But if you don't have feelings, you can depend even more on God because you have nothing tangible or feeling-wise to hold on to. But I tell you, the same Holy Spirit is going to rise up within you and your soul is going to feel a new freedom. Verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? Oh, look out. I tell you, in this room, there are testimonies that are going to be coming out and maybe you're not a member here, maybe you're just visiting, just visiting today, but I tell you, going back home, going to the church you are, being who you are, God is going to do things for you. Because whatever's going on in this congregation and the people here, it's prophetic. You're going to take it with you wherever you're going because you're here today and God wants to impart to you. God wants to bring a fresh encouragement to you about what you look at and what you've been facing and what you've been under. I tell you, shake it off. Because God is going to change you. God is on the move. God is alive. God is real. He's active. He's powerful. Remember John 3, 2. I would, John said, he wrote, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So I tell you, if your soul's downcast, you're in neutral. And you can't go face your giant. I tell you, that generation, that generation, they were excited about the giants. They were different from their fathers who were fearful of the giants. There was something that had rolled off them. There was something that generation had broken off them. There was even spiritual things that broke off of them. When they saw the giants, when they were looking ahead, they knew God was going to do something profound. Open your heart again. Paul's writing to the church in Corinthians. When you read 1 Corinthians, you see Corinthians was a, was, a, was a wicked community. All kinds of idol worship, all kinds of incest, immorality, poverty, uh, all kinds of demonic worship. Everything was crazy in that town. The Corinthian church was just starting and, and growing. And Paul's dealing, he, in 1 Corinthians, he's dealing with incest in the church. He's dealing with uh, immorality, saying, you can't live like this. When you live like this as believers, you're affecting each other. You're affecting the power of God in your community. And, and so he writes this letter, and man, they're a little scared. They're a little like backing off. They're, they're shut down now. Why? Because they convicted and they realized they were doing something wrong. And there was a season where the Holy Spirit was purging the church of, of the immorality and the way people were living. Hey, it was part of the lifestyle. It's part of even our, our world today, part of our culture, the immorality, the compromise. 
and you may be under conviction about some things right now, that's okay. You're going to get past that. You're going to get free and you're going to live differently. But it's because God's doing it. It's not something you can do on your own. So Paul's addressing this situation in 2 Corinthians 6. He's writing another letter. He said, Our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. We are hiding nothing. Keep nothing back. And our heart is expanded wide for you. There is no lack of room for you in our hearts. But you lack room in your own affections for us. But by way of to return then, do this for me. I speak as children. Open wide your hearts. So again, he's coming to them and he realizes they're shut down with him. And, and they're, they're kind of projecting their own shame or their own walls about where they've been at. And he's encouraging them, hey, open your heart. Come on, get in gear again. You know, your sins are, are forgiven through Jesus Christ. You're, you're going to live differently, but let's shake off the shame. And I tell you, as adult people, it's shame that keeps us. When we're get, we get corrected, we're like little kids. How many times when we grew up, we got corrected by our parents and we felt shame? Well, as, as, older, as older adult people, you know, God's going to correct us at times. People are going to say things that, are, that God's going to cut away something that's it's sinful or it's wrong or, or it's hindering me from having spiritual gifts. Receive it, then shake off the shame and don't disconnect from people because of correction, because of instruction. We're all in this together. We're all getting corrected. We're all having the finger. I had God correct me big time this week, dealing with a situation in, in just family that we, have, that we deal with every so often. I felt like me and Dory, ha- we haven't conflicted like this in a while. We were conflicted. We were not on the same page. I felt so angry. I left the house. I was so angry. I was angry because I saw my own self-righteousness. I saw, again, my, my part of me being like the older brother, you know, and sometimes when you're dealing with people, when you deal with things over and over again, you start having a lot of unbelief that God's going to change a person. And I, I, it took me like a whole day, a whole night rather, to work through this. You know, the guilt that I felt that why, why did I have this self-righteous attitude or why did I have this hardness in my heart? And I had to repent. I had to, I had to let God work for me. And I just loved the baseball game the other night because as I was watching, Watching the incredible game our, our, our softball team did. They were awesome. They won at the last moment. It was one of those Jesus victories. But I was, as I was watching, God was dealing with me. And I was watching through the, the wire. God said to me, I want you to die. And I knew what that means. You know, we want things to work out the way we think they should we want things to be fair we, we want not to have to to give and 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 then feel like we're ripped off and and it, it comes to that whole thing we we live in the natural world we want things to work out right but jesus calls us to die we're dead in christ that means die to our own way die to having our rights dying die to um uh having see things work out the way we think they should work out and he was saying if you don't die my love can't come through and as i was just looking through that wire I, I realized he wanted me to die. I just broke inside. And the love of God just started coming up, you know, out of my heart again. Dory calls me on the phone. And, and we're, all, we're all connected again. But I tell you, these are the real things about our life. You know, here I'm a Christian over 50 years. And I still have to deal with things. The difference is I don't run, even though I want to run. I start dialoguing with God. I start telling him how angry I am. I start telling him how shameful I am. I start telling him why is it taking so long to root out the places where I don't love, the places where, where I get discouraged. 
I'm so thankful that God is faithful and he loves us. It's kind of late. Would the worship team come? I don't pretend to know what God's doing. But I tell you, he wants to do something. I want to write to, uh, tell, you, tell you just one more thing before we go, before we kind of end the service. I felt like it's something I felt like the Lord dropped in my heart early in the morning on Thursday. Listen to this. God spends our whole life bringing us into the promised land. Yeah, we have a guarantee for heaven, but it's a work our whole life. He's breaking us so that he can free us. And the promised land is right now. I'm thinking there's people who have everything out there and they're killing themselves. God wants to free us in our soul. God wants to free us so we can have that inheritance now. God spends our whole life bringing us into the promised land. Some of you are in incredible crosses and incredible places of pain. He's bringing you into a better place. He's bringing you into a promised land, even though the enemy is saying, oh, if God really loved you, why are you going through this? Why did you go through this? Why is this still hanging on you? I tell you, Anita, God has a promised land. Everything that you've carried on the inside, he's taking you to a promised land. He's spending your whole life. Everything you've carried, everything that hurts and wounds you, Anita, your story is in the process. Your testimony is in the process of being developed. How many, every one of you I could say that to. There's something God's doing, and you can't figure it out right now. Those of you who are struggling in your marriage, there's a promised land in your marriage. There's a promised land. There's a promised land for you. You have to believe it. You have to hope in it.